It's another Show Me the Money episode, and today, for once, we're joined by someone who actually knows what he's talking about. So get ready for the Gooners Pod Live with our special guest, Kira McGuire. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, six young men from various backgrounds, a young basketball prodigy with more trophies in the last 20 years than Totten and Hotspur, an Irish kid with a horrible haircut, a young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet. A child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome young man who learned to play football on the hard streets of Disney World. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan. Hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared, Ewan, Magic, Aston, Andy, and Miguel, and the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now... It's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Seven. 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 Welcome to the Gooners Pod. Hello and welcome to the Gooners Pod, season seven, episode 66. Karen, you've had train rides from Brighton to Liverpool that were shorter than that intro, haven't you? <laughs> I was very impressed by that, Mike. Very impressed in me. I, I mean, the editing skills, I mean, you know, you don't get that everywhere. Uh, you can really tell it was homemade by someone who doesn't really know how to do anything. But uh, but that's how we roll here. So it's good to have you back. It's been, uh, been about four or five months uh, since we had you on last, which was a great, a great treat for me. Um, this we'll start off with something that has nothing to do with football finances. But what we saw this morning was that the best football game of all time, or is that a bit of overreaction there? Uh, it, it was fantastic, um, but for the first seventy-five minutes, it was it was one-way traffic. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it, it, it was a great finish. Um, as a, as as a Brighton fan to have a, to have a Brighton player winning the World Cup is is insane. So um, yeah, one Brighton player, no Arsenal players lifting the World Cup trophy <laughs> this year. No, well, you you, uh, you sort of semi-claiming Martinez as one of your own. No, we don't claim him at all. He 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 seems to not realize that he's transferred because he talks about Arsenal in the press constantly. <laughs> I, I I tweeted out before before the shootout that if any possible outcome would be the case, it would be Messi winning the World Cup and Emmy losing it. Like I don't, I, I, yes. <laughs> I, I took it as a solace that the physical winning moment was not him saving mm. a penalty, even though he did get one and force another one wide. But uh, at you know, at, at least it didn't end with him like you know being mobbed. Because I'm not a big fan, not a big fan of his anymore. But but no, we. Uh, I mean, as uh, Argentinian last names go, McAllister. You know, it, there, there's nothing more more Argentinian than, than uh, Alexis McAllister. And, and being ginger as well. Yeah. 
I mean, okay. My TV just thought that I was talking to I, Alexa. Thought I was talking about Alexis McAllister. I'm going <laughs> to turn that thing off. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of like mini recency bias. saying bias saying that was one of the best games because yeah, it really kind of was. Other than the two goals, there was a yawner in most parts of the second half. But as soon as that that penalty was called, uh, the first one for for France. I mean, what what a final what 40, 45 minutes of concluding yes. extra time. That that yeah. was nuts. Either either team could have won it in the last minute of extra time. Yeah, it, it was it was the fact that they both wanted to win was uh, was was good. Uh, and you yeah, often we, get we, you often get let down when it you know Messi against Mbappe. Well, I mean, <laughs> it kind yeah. of was, you know. But uh, but enough World Cup. We're all World Cupped out. Um, but uh, yeah, I could see that you were celebrating McAllister and Brighton was celebrating McAllister's uh, victory and, and, and that you are already bracing for the inevitable sale to Chelsea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's inevitable. So are, are, I do have one more thing. Are you a, a messy is the goat type guy or are you one of those very reasonable people who, you know, who remind people that Maradona, Pele, Kroef, Cruyff, Stefano, George Best and Zidane also graced the pitch. I mean, or, or or has he eclipsed everything for you? I I I think in terms of longevity, he's probably surpassed practically everyone. Um, for me, Maradona won the World Cup single-handed in '86, and what he achieved at Napoli in taking a uh, a fairly mediocre team to. Uh, to when you say single-handedly, are you referring to the actual <laughs> hand that, that he yes. used? Because because that yes. was a single hand. <laughs> um, it, it he he was incredible. Uh, I, I've I've been fortunate enough to see Messi play, and I've never seen anybody. And I'm 60 years old. I've been watching football all my life. I've I've never seen anybody who the football loved as much as the football loves Lionel Messi because it just wants to be close to him. Um I, I think I think he's amazing. The the greatest of all time. I'm I'm not really bothered in, in the argument because uh you know what would Pele be like today in in a world where there's so much more protection from referees of yeah that's a time thuggish, the, the, thuggish defenders. The time frames of of the sixties and seventies comparing them to now is is obviously just a you know, you've got more athletic people. You've got generally more physical football being played now, but you also have protection and you have rule changes. And I, I mean, it's it's just really a toss up um, to me. But uh, you know, notice I didn't name another player who's often th uh, put in that conversation because I don't believe he belongs in that conversation. And you know, I'm forgetting about Olivier Giroud as well, who who's right up there. Um, Thank you, by the way, to you. I didn't have a chance to thank you before the pod, but uh, I will be, thanks to, to this gentleman, rooting on the Seagulls against Liverpool on the 14th of January. I'm looking forward to it. My last trip to the Amex in the away end didn't work out so well. Uh, and my second trip there was was canceled by by COVID in March 2020. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to getting back there and actually rooting for the home team this time. Uh, and, I'm, and I will be taking Leandro Trossard back with me to London. <laughs> uh, you, yeah, Todd Bowley might uh, have, have, I, I, you uh, know, have an, an opinion on that. I mean, would you rather him go to Arsenal or, or, or Chelsea oh, I, if he has to go? I, I, I'd rather him go anywhere than Chelsea. We <laughs> loathe Chelsea. Exactly. Uh, the, the fact that 
I wanted Crystal Palace to beat Chelsea in, in one of Potter's first matches. And I, I never would have thought that in, in all my living days. Well, and before we get to Arsenal finances, I, I wanted to ask you, because, I mean, if, again, if you aren't familiar and, and if you haven't figured it out by now, Kieran is a fan of two football teams, Brighton and Hove, Albion. Um, and and we spoke over the summer, and it's only really been interesting. You know, it's been an interesting season so far for both of our clubs. Um, you know, I, I can't think of any reason why it'd be interesting for ours. But for Brighton, I mean, you sold Kukurea to, to Chelsea for a tidy little – 40 million, 40 million pound one year profit. Um, you know, we, you got Graham Potter who, who leaves for Chelsea because he missed Kukurea so much apparently. <laughs> and then in a beautiful twist of fate. And I had a friend whose son was at that game. Uh, I'm assuming you were at that game, but I was there. Potter comes back to the Amex and gets absolutely destroyed in his own hometown was i mean is there a hate for potter or is there kind of a begrudging we kind of know you got to do it i know there's a hate for chelsea but then are you anti-potter now or I, i'm i'm not anti-potter graham potter did the right thing for anybody who was if if, if if i was a professional and i had a chance to enhance my career by going to a more prestigious uh more resource uh available uh alternative so so if, if harvard are listening to this uh, uh, this, this, is, this is Harvard. Kieran Maguire's come and come and get me, please. University of Liverpool. There, there's there, there's a difference there. <laughs> Just a wee bit, uh, and that's not and that's not a disrespect to the University of Liverpool, and it's not a disrespect. So I didn't have any issue with 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 Potter going. It was it's Todd Bowley who I absolutely loathe. Um, Kukurea going, that's fine. You know, getting a chance for a football player to 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 play in the Champions League. Um, is is something you want to take on board. It was the fact that Todd Bowley, first of all, took Kukurea, then took Potter. And you'd normally expect uh, a manager's entourage to go with him. So the fact that his two side, his, you know, his, his two, two, two guys went with him, that was fine. And then it was Brighton's former captain went and our goalkeeping coach, who used to be the Brighton goalkeeper, went. And then our data analyst went. And then our head of recruitment went to Chelsea. Did he take um, the kit, man? Well, I think uh, they've taken the stadium and they've gotten half a chance. Um, so by the time Graham Potter came back four weeks later, what would have been a, oh, well, yeah, if you had to go, you had to go. We understand it had become, um, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty laid back bunch in Brighton. It, it, I've never known such a febrile, hostile uh, 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 launch to a game. And we had two kicked off the line in the first five minutes. We we beat we beat them four one. Um, Kukurea got booed every single touch. He got substituted, and he had to walk around the perimeter oh, of the that's ground the, as oh, well. That's so good. And uh, you you could, and and I got to remember. Yeah, we're talking about a young man of 23, 24 who's who's not experienced something like this before. And um, yeah, part of me because it we didn't object to him going. You know, we got 62 million from the deal. It was the fact that anything associated with Chelsea and the mentality that um, I'm Todd Bowley, I can buy whatever I want, whenever I want, um, just just irritated people. Um, yeah, we, oh, it, we, we, we all very... know where we are in the pecking order in football. And, and you know that, that Mike, as, as an Arsenal fan, if Real Madrid or Barcelona come into one, you know, Thierry Henry was, you know, Arsenal legend, 
when Barcelona said, eh, fancy coming here. You, you didn't want it to happen, but, but we understand where we all are. In, it's a in different knock, the, they say, yeah, at, at yeah, the door yeah, when, a, when a club like that comes. And, and everybody strives to become that club. But, you know, again, it's only going to happen with with ridiculous money spent. And, and you know, Brighton has done very, very well. There, you know, there are teams that have kind of been generator generators of talent where you know they buy them for the teens and they sell them for the 50s and 60s and that's not necessarily what you want your club to be but it doesn't hurt because it allows you to eventually maybe make that step with with, with a uh you know with that with the european money that could come and you guys are seventh now in the league ahead of chelsea on goal difference yeah. you know one of my questions is do you envision a scenario where you break the the mold of the top six and can actually finish the season off, or is this kind of a, a punching above weight type of start to the season as we saw last season and things will settle down? I mean, do you have aspirations and hopes of Europe this year? It's you, you must always be ambitious in football and and at the start of each season, you're hoping for a good cup run. Um, you know, we're, we're a funny club in, in that, you know, Ben White, Went to Arsenal for 50 million. Kukurea went for 62 million. Uh, Bissouma went to some some club in North London. I can't, yeah. I can't, even, I can't even remember. I, I haven't name. really heard anything about that I, guy. I, no, 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 no. But yeah, it was, but yeah, they're like Bruno. We don't talk about that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so so we, yeah, we we've done well in terms of moving players on, but we've had a good start to the season. Can can that be maintained over thirty eight games? It's unlikely. We, we've had, uh, yeah, our, our centre forward hasn't scored a goal. So who's that? Welbeck. That's Danny Welbeck. Yeah, and we and we love Danny. Well, Welbeck. there you go. I mean, that that's Arsenal DNA for you, right there. <laughs> so speaking of Arsenal, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about Todd Bowley later. And 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 those of you in the chat, if you have any questions that you want to ask a real financial expert rather than one who poses as one. Um, this is your chance, so please put them in the chat with a with a cue before them, and I will uh, I will cue them up to ask uh, to ask Kieran later. Um, so Arsenal's finances for the 2022 season came out, or did they? <laughs> now I've seen so, you know, and and I I want to talk with you about this because I see I might see it a little bit differently uh, than you do, but I want to you know wrap my head around the the, the reasoning and all that. Because we connected last week over an interview you gave about Arsenal pulling the wool over your eyes, uh, yours specifically, you said, uh, by releasing public comments on their holding companies, 22 financials a few weeks ago, but releasing different financial statements for Arsenal PLC hmm. on Companies House. So let's let's talk about that uh, a little bit and and start with, can you describe for our wonderful podcast users? Uh, what the fundamental differences between Arsenal Holdings and Arsenal Football Club PLC are? Yeah, um, Arsenal Football Club PLC um, is a subsidiary of Arsenal Holdings, along with some other football clubs. Um, and the way that it calculates revenue is done slightly differently. Um, so under UK uh, corporate law, if you are a public limited company, a PLC, then you have a legal obligation to publish your accounts at a, an institution called Companies House um, within six months of your year end. So, so Arsenal's year end is the 31st of May. They've got to be published by the 30th of November. On the 30th of November, update pops. So that, that's fine. Um, Arsenal Holdings Limited is a private company. 
and private companies are allowed nine months before they have to publish their accounts. Um, so therefore, Arsenal's don't have to be published until the 28th of February. So what grinded my gears was I got a copy oh. of Arsenal PLC's accounts. Are we there? I, I, I put something up on the screen that I wasn't ready ready for ah, okay. yet. So. Um, so Arsenal PLC put, put their accounts up um, through Companies House. I downloaded those and, and I started to comment about those. And, 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 and you know, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of the uh, uh, the magnificent work of, of the Swiss Ramble, Kieran O'Connor, uh, Arsenal fan, of course. Um, and, you know, for me, uh, uh, the Swiss Ramble is the Lionel Messi of football finance. Um, I, I'm more like Craig Bellamy. Yeah. Or well, no, you're you're like like Pele, like you're you're from a different era where where they hadn't invented some of the finance rules yet. No, I don't know. Maybe I think I just insulted you, and I didn't even mean to. No, 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 no. I, I would love to be Pele, but but Craig <laughs> Bellamy is 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 somebody that um, is a Craig pest. Bellamy. Why would you choose Craig Bellamy? Um, because you're not an uh, ass. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I've. I think I am. I, I, I get accused. Of, can, can, can I say shit housery on, yeah, yeah, of on course. your podcast? I, um, I'd actually prefer that you do. Okay. Well, I, I get accused of a lot of shit housery um, in the sense that I love going amongst the weeds and finding out bits and pieces about clubs. So, so you know, uh, Kieran O'Connor is 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 my hero because without him, I, I wouldn't have started doing this. And I, I think he's absolutely magnificent. And the level of detail he goes into is 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 amazing. What I do is I get the stuff out four or five days earlier. As a rule, um, you know, he he will do a a long a long analysis on his first to market and, is important. You know, I mean, it's uh... and, and yeah, we we both you know you can you, you can like jam and you can like peanut butter. And yeah, you, you know, and they play different roles on your on your. On your I did a show on the 2025 finances for Arsenal already, just because I had to get there first. I wanted it to be <laughs> out there, but uh, now, so so you went and started doing the spreadsheets, which I I do on my own in a very. I mean, if you're Craig Bellamy, I am uh, the the goalkeeper for Sutton United. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, I'm Wayne. I'm Wayne Shaw, former Dooners podcast guest. Um, but you know. I started doing my spreadsheets and 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 linking it up, but I did it based on the announcement that they made, and not on yeah. the company's house stuff. So, so that got your goat a little bit because then they come out with completely different figures. That, that's right, and and what we now have is is confusion. So that there is nothing to stop Arsenal um, from publishing the uh, the holdings company's results at, the, at exactly the same day. Because if they're going to put out, a, and, and what what I dislike intensely is that if a club is going to put out um, a press release, then it that press release must be based on fact. So why not put out the facts alongside it? And that's what many clubs do. They'll say, "Yeah, these are the highlights. If you want to see more detail, here's the detail." Well, Ars an Arsenal, uh, if I'm honest, Arsenal got in contact with me, um, somebody from Arsenal, and said, "Look, uh, you know." some of the numbers you put out aren't right because you're putting out the PLC numbers rather than the holding companies. And we, we put out this press release as well. Yeah, but you've, you've not put out the full detail. So, so you're, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit like your Tinder profile. You're only going to show like my, like mine. Yeah. You're, you're, mine? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very impressed. <laughs> um, and but see, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a private person, so I could I can make anything up that I want to. I'm not I'm not you know I'm not a PLC. I'm a well. 
I'm so, limited. So, Let's just put it down. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so, also, so, so I so I said to us, okay, I'll 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 take down what I've put up. Um. Yeah. Because I I I want to. I I don't want. I don't like to be critical of clubs for the sake of being critical. Um. I want to be analytical. I want to be observant. I want to be independent. And I want to be objective. Um. Because as as a as a teacher, that was, I think it's it's important. Um. So so I did that and. Then everybody else is reporting the the press release which Arsenal have put out, um, and, and I know Swiss Ramble has, has put out you know, is again a magnificent uh, piece of work um, in respect of the the hold of the uh, the PLC. Um, but it, what, what, just if you've got nothing to hide, hide nothing. Just put out the full details. So, so and, what and, would be? Let's assume for a moment that the press release data is correct. Yeah, yeah it is. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty okay. certain of that. Um, what is the actual delta like where are the different because because i've compared and and we'll be looking at this in a moment i've compared the 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 plc numbers hmm. which are the subsidiary to the holding company numbers and there are some differences most of them minor and i'm wondering you know are those differences in revenues where the holding company includes like the women's football team or is that included in arsenal plc already yeah um you know there are some uh, small subsidiaries over and above the football team but are those really the only differences between those two or should those be the only differences well that if that was the case then 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 the, then the differences between the numbers would be so small that frankly right. I wouldn't give, wouldn't give a hoot um I think the way that the the uh the holding company calculates revenue I think it's it, it has sort of there's some recharges involved to the PLC and or it it just gets messy um, and I think one of the the key numbers that I think I would be interested in, and I imagine that Arsenal fans would be interested in, is how is Arsenal being funded? So we know that uh, the PLC is borrowing money effectively from the holdings company, but we don't know how much money the holdings company is borrowing from Stan Kroenke. Uh, right. and, and we don't know whether there are any other outstanding debts as well. Um and that's that's not being critical of Arsenal because you know I'm I'm, I'm not an Arsenal fan you know I'm, I'm not like you guys but if it was my club it'd be one of the things I'd, I'd want to know. Um, there has been an expansion uh, in terms of investment in the squad and and yeah you can you can uh, make a value judgment quantitatively and qualitatively in that but certainly it looks as if the club is is losing money on a year by year basis. Um, if it's losing money. How are those losses being funded? Um, what's the interest charges, if any? You know, some 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 owners do charge interest, some don't. Um, who is who is if, if so? Who is the beneficiary? If we take a look at Manchester United, since the Glazers acquired Manchester United in two thousand and five, the club has paid I think it's eight hundred and sixty-two million sterling in interest on those loans. Yeah. It, um, and and yet they're still running profits because of their commercial revenue. It's 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 insanity. Yeah. Um, and, and I've and I've got no issue with debt because again, yeah, the the Voldemort of North London, but we cannot mention its name. Um, yeah, it has borrowed a large amount of money, but it's actually you know you don't want to hear this. It's actually spent that money really well yeah. uh, in in terms of infrastructure, and it, it's making a positive. You know, the, the amount of money it's paying in interest is 
probably around about a third of what it's getting in, in additional it, revenue. It will have a very interesting reaction when it is eliminated from uh, Europe altogether uh, this season and then has to balance its books. But that's, that's you know, I, I see them and Chelsea as both possibly having the biggest biggest hardships if that ends up happening. Um, and, and please, please may that happen. Um, so... I have a couple of uh, exhibits, if you will. Um, this one, you know, the the number that you mentioned in in your interview was the sixty four million pound operating loss, um, and you know, again, there's there's a lot of different ways. None, and it's not creative. It's not adding or or deceptive or anything. It's just a lot of different ways to calculate things: operating profit or loss from football, uh, operating profits or loss before you know player trading before interest taxes and all that but uh you know 64 million pound loss whereas um it was said the uh you know the the PLC indicated about a 45 million pound loss but those two numbers aren't necessarily i mean the the difference in those numbers is is you know there, there's there's a lot to it i think the um the team's press release and i was going to have all these queued and then i didn't so the team's press release basically said that their operating profit from football was 80 million. That's before any of the amortization costs for their players, the profit of sales. We know that these numbers have been horrible. The, the, we spent a lot more money on players and we've sold almost nothing. And then this strange other, uh, which is one thing I wanted to ask you about because this other of 20.3, I can't find in any of, uh, I can't find the relative number anywhere in the, in the financials, but anyway, that's where we get a, a, a loss before tax of 45, which quite honestly is about the same thing as the PLC is saying that they lost in a year. So when, when, when Arsenal's, when the holding company is saying we lost 45 million before taxes and the PLC is saying we lost 47 where is it? Forty-six point seven before tax. Is is that a negligible difference? I mean, is that ultimately the final story? At, uh, uh, and and is it that deceptive having the two out there and being pretty close? Forty-five and a half, forty-six and a half. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not a significant number. Um, I, it, it's try, trying to work out what Arsenal are saying in respect of those additional costs. I think is uh, it, it's just making things more complex, and uh, yeah, the reason why I said that the club had lost money um, was that for me, your operational profit or loss is based on your your day to day unavoidable right. costs. So once you've bought a player, your amortization cost is is unavoidable along with the player's wages. Um, so that's why I, I quoted that figure of sixty four. Whereas I think the figure that you've got here of um, is is different, um, and and then you say, well, if if the football club has lost money over the course of the year, how do we mitigate those losses? And, and there's two ways of doing that. First of all, you can sell footballers, and secondly, you can go to the owner and say, hi, um, please please give me some money. And, and and I suspect that's what's happened in respect of Stan Kroenke. And there's um, a third one, which is go and get into the Champions League. And yes. pay yourself back, uh, which I think is the strategy here. I think the owner has financed the the spending and the losses for the last three or four years, some of which are COVID-related, others are the, the consequence of not making the, the Champions League, under the assumption that 
once we get back to top four and hopefully regular top four appearances, the club will not only be self-sustaining again, but because of the new TV deals and and the commercial renewals that hopefully will allow Arsenal to, you know, to jump out of the cellar of the top six commercial revenue, you know, hopefully that rehabilitation, which comes with success on the pitch over the next five years will allow us to be quite profitable and, you know, some of those profits, I think, and this is where people will start turning back against them again, will be returned to the Cronkies as loan reduction as opposed to just splashed into buying 80, 90, 120 million pound players. Um, but, you know, that's that's the interesting thing. And I wanted, I just, I wanted you to see my very crude, uh, uh, my very crude spreadsheet. <laughs> I needed to finish that, finish that, uh, that thought. <laughs> yeah. Um but before that, the, the confusing thing to me, where is it, um, is the difference between where, come on, come on, come on, come on. The difference between the two, the, the holding company and the PLC, is spreadsheeted here. On the left is the numbers from the press release that they came out with. On the right are the numbers from the financial statements of the PLC. Most of these things are very minimal. Again, it's the difference between being a subsidiary versus the wholly owned. What what caught my eye are the things in blue. Yeah. Holding company match day revenues of 79 million. PLC match day revenues of 53 million or 54 million. And then one other non-football expense that they didn't count as part of footballing revenues and nothing on the PLC statement. Are these combinable in a sense? Are, are, do we think this 20 million pound expense is expenses generated towards match day revenues and it's being netted out here versus not netted out there? Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it will it will all come out in the wash. I think the, the important thing to note is that the, the net profit or loss before taxes pretty damn close yeah. and, and we have a we have a saying in, in in business um revenue is vanity profit is sanity so don't get too hung up um on the the differences in in terms of revenue um, i just thought it was yeah. interesting that it that yeah it, because again they yeah. the, this was said in the press release and you know the total turnover of 369 looks a lot better than 342 mm. and it just seems odd that on one side they would they would consider it as part of turnover yeah that that expense and the other side they wouldn't and it would show up later but that's accounting for you public versus private right um it, it's also the way that different companies are tiered because the um because the private company controls the plc and other companies it can put through it can, it can charge the plc some some money and it can then get that money recharged so when when the uh when, when the hold code final figures come out which are which are the ones which i think i'd be more interested in then uh we we can just find out what those details are it, it's not it, it's for accounting nerds i think it's good fun if I, was, if I was a regular Joe fan, I really wouldn't get worked up about it. Yeah, it, um, it took me by surprise because I was, you know, kind of expecting a March release date, as we saw last year for the financials. And then, you know, what I wasn't thinking about was the fact that there was a PLC that they were going to have to release. Yeah, yeah um, they, they did exactly the same last year. Yeah, um, I just don't think it got as much attention as as it is this year. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, the numbers that I guess matter the most, the, the numbers that allow you to kind of compare to Chelsea and the, and the, the club up the road and all of those other clubs are the true holding company financials, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and there'll be a whole round of those in, in May. Um, so my projections then, uh, for the next couple of years do kind of go to that question of, of, you know, what are we operating at a loss every single year? And the biggest thing I see is being a, uh, and then we'll move on to user questions after this, because there's a lot of great questions for you in the chat. Um, Europe is everything for us yeah. right now, because we have a team that's, that's, that has been built for Europe structurally. It's, it's been, We've spent the money necessary to get into Europe, but we've gotten all of the decisions wrong up until about a year, year and a half ago, and had some very bitter pills to swallow as it relates to, you know, the last couple of years before this year, eating salary wages and 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 dealing with that. But um, I think, given that those days are over, I mean, my projections last year we saw a net profit before tax of, or a net loss of 127 million. Uh, this year, if you believe the PLC numbers, are, are about 45, 46. Uh, but even just with Europa League money next season, the reduction in the wage bill, to me, puts us back into a profitable stage. Now, there's a lot of really hard to, hard to figure out things in here, such as the amortization. Um, depends on whether we buy people in January or not. Um, the broadcasting revenues depends on whether we finish, you know, first, fourth, or drop all the way down to seventh. Um, but generally speaking, I think we have a good chance of being profitable next season. And then if we make the Champions League this season, the pendulum swinging significantly in the following season um, to where we're, you know, 93, 94 million before tax, before uh, taxes. Am I missing anything here other than the fact I'm making assumptions that really can't be made as of yet? I, the, the, the one thing I would say, Mike, is that if Arsenal qualify for the Champions League, yes, revenues will increase. But just take a look at your wage bill as well, because that will... The, 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 what we see is you know, Manchester United have got 25% clauses if, right. if they fail to qualify for the Champions League. If Arsenal do qualify for the Champions League, would I expect the the 2023 uh, wage bill to be accurate? Yeah, probably is, but you, you, there will probably be some bonuses going in um, for the year ended the 31st of May, and then there will be a significant increase. And and taking a look at those numbers um, in in respect of wages, Manchester United's wage bill 382 million, Arsenal's 212. So. Well, one team has gotten their wage bill under control. The other has been making the same mistakes over and over again. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's the story behind this process of, of Arsenal is that we're probably the only team in the last two years that has cut their wage bill by 20 to 25% and gotten 100% better yes. <laughs> in, in doing yeah. that. And, and, you know, it will come back. Uh, the wage bill will rise. And, and what I didn't take into account is just – the natural rise with, with bonuses from making the champions league. Uh, I looked at it more about renewals, what we're going to have to pay Saka and Martinelli and, and, hmm. and uh, William Saliba, and then continuing to bring on 
uh, additional top tier players. I've probably underestimated the profits on selling players because for for once we may now be moving on players who have value rather than paying players to leave. But I think the uh, the the future is brighter. I guess that's that's the message, especially if the play on the pitch continues. But my God, what a bad couple of years to get to the level, even without COVID, to get to the to to where we found ourselves um, is dreadful. So. Um, wanted to make sure that we, that we had time for some questions. We got about another 15 minutes to go or so. And, um, so let's see. First, a question from me, uh, Cardiff was recently placed under a transfer embargo for refusing to pay the transfer fee for the late Emiliano Sala, who died in a plane crash after being signed, uh, you know, in a dodgy plane on his way to Cardiff. Am I missing something in this story as to what Cardiff's valid claims are? Or, you know, as I mentioned earlier, are they just being dicks? <laughs> um, this is pretty morbid. This, this, is, this is the tragic life lost of a young man who is now being treated as a commodity. Um, and there's an ownership dispute with regards to the commodity. Um, so for people not, uh, not familiar... Uh, Emilio, Sala, Emilio Sala was playing for was it Lons? Um, is, was it Lille? Lille or Lons? Was playing was playing for a French club. Um, Cardiff put in a bid. That bid was accepted. Um, he flew across, signed some documents, got on a plane to go back to France to collect his possessions, and the plane went down. Um, now there are there are allegations that the plane was in poor condition that the pilot really shouldn't have gone ahead. Um, what Cardiff are saying is that not all of the paperwork had been transferred to all of the relevant football authorities at the date of the tragic passing of this young man. And therefore, his registration was not valid. Um, what the selling club is saying, that the player had signed, the, the two clubs had agreed a price, um, and therefore the sale had gone agreed, on through and when you when people talk about signing a footballer they are wrong what you are doing is that you are giving a compensation payment to the previous club that the the player played for um in order for them to release the player from his registration so when when you sign for you know if you sign for Arsenal, you sign a four-year contract, that gets lodged at the Football Association. That effectively also gets lodged at UEFA and FIFA. And it says that Arsenal have the sole right to play this player for that four-year period. If after one year, some you know, Barcelona or Real Madrid or Brighton, whoever it is, say, well, we, we, yeah, we'd like to sign that player. And yeah, the player could be good, or he might not be good enough for Arsenal, and therefore he, but he might be good enough for Brighton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let, we have to, you know, these things work both up and down. Like, like Danny um, Warbeck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, we love Danny Welbeck. Um, I mean, we love him too. It just all right, sorry. Um then then you say, well, you know, we, we think that in order for us to forego our opportunity to, to 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 let him play football for us, we want compensation of X. So that that fee had been agreed between the two clubs. Um and the the, the selling club, and I do apologize, it's either Lille or Lots. Um so we'd agreed. We'd, we'd signed off on the deal. You owe, you owe us the money. So the registration did not go down in the channel. It was Emiliano Sala uh, himself. Um, and th yeah, th there's a much 
more, more important issue to do with individuals who are a very litigious and b people who I wouldn't want to meet on a dark night. Um, so, so you know, they, they, we won't name any names. Right. So they um, so they got the registration. They just didn't get the player in. Hmm. And and they're but what they're being asked to pay for is the registration. I mean, it, it sometimes there's bad luck. Sometimes there's insurable yeah. risks that you should probably look after. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know why I always think about insurance. Maybe it's what I do for a living or something. But um, you know, but but yeah, I mean, there there are risks that are taken, but at some point the risk transfers from one party to the other, hmm. and I don't see how there could be any dispute, any legitimate dispute about when that occurred and i don't think it occurred on the flight i think it probably occurred prior to the flight mm. um so I, it just sounds like a really i mean it's not good for pr either i mean my god you you you, you transferred a player a tragedy happened and now you don't want to pay the fee that you agreed before that tragedy happened it just sounds again you should have insurance if your guy's going to fly over you should take a one-day policy on a guy, it can't cost you that much. You'll waste that money ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time. But that, that's that's insurance. Know, that's insurance. That's what you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Let's get to some some uh, user questions. Bobby uh, Chakrabadi on Twitter said, "How much is an owner of a club allowed to put in over a season or three for it to be deemed illegal by FFP rules. That's kind of a loaded question, right? Cuz it's not just a fixed amount. It's relative to how much they're losing, is that right? Um not not quite. First of all, an owner can put as much money into a football club as they choose. It's about so. how much they lose, correct? Over 3 years. It's how much of that money which counts towards your FFP calculations. So, okay. so there's, there's, so you know, under Roman Abramovich, yeah, Abramovich putting one point five bill into Chelsea um, over over the the tenure of his ownership. Um, but under the uh, under the Premier League rules, um, you are allowed to put in ninety million pounds worth of equity over a rolling three year period. So if you put in 200, the first 90 counts. If you put in 50, because 50 is less than 90, only the 50 counts. Um, and uh, if you if you lend money as opposed to putting money in the form of shares, that's excluded. So that doesn't count towards FFP. So you, you can if, if you've got an owner who says, well, you know, I, I want to build a new stadium, um, I'm going to put in 500 million for a new stadium at the football club. Because stadium costs are excluded from FFP calculations, that that's fine. Uh, so it's it's only the it's only the ninety million which goes towards your your operational costs, which is yeah wages, transfer fees, overheads um, that uh, that contributes. When you are playing in Europe, that ninety million sterling becomes twenty five million euro. So there, there's different rules operating under both UEFA and uh, the Premier League. Although UEFA's rules have changed from. 22 23 to a what we refer to as a soft wage cap uh, approach all right uh well bobby you got your answer there um i have a qu another question and then and then we'll just exclusively go to uh to the users that it's about rexham have you dug into have you done a deep dive on rexham yet because you know in the states there's there's a lot of intrigue about ryan reynolds and rob McElhenney, uh purchasing this club 
uh, Hollywood superstars who are generally football fans, but they had no idea about Wrexham until they decided to do some due diligence on a team they could buy. Um, and, you know, from a Hollywood perspective, it seems like a pretty cool story. Um, is what they're doing, you know, something that could be replicated? Is it all down to their fame, the, the opportunities that they provide just by being who they are? And are they doing good? Are, are they doing good for this football club? Assuming that they continue their run this season, which certainly sees them favorite to get back in the in the football league. Well, we've not seen the accounts for Wrexham for twenty two um, and, and the ones for twenty one. But if if you if if you have a revenue below a certain size, there's lots of information you don't have to show. So trying to get to the bottom of uh, Wrexham's finances since the acquisition by McElhenney and Reynolds is actually very difficult. Um, what they have done, um, and I'm not sure whether this is scalable because there's only so many, um, there's only so many Hollywood A-listers, and also they were the first. So th- th- there is this level of intrigue, and uh, I don't know whether you've watched Welcome to Wrexham. I, I, I have. It's... They seem to do a pretty good job of getting like League One, League Two level players to play non-league football, and yeah. and man, and coaches, and um... yeah. and they do that through money. So let's let's not pretend anything any otherwise, and that's not a criticism of of the managers. Or they the weren't promised leading roles in 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 uh, Hollywood films. The, the, I, the players, I, I think their thespian skills might be Mullen or lacking. whatever his yeah, name is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Paul Mullen, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so in in football, there's there's income and there's costs. So have their costs gone up because they've recruited you know higher profile managers and players? Yes. Have they also managed to increase their revenues? I think that is yes as well. Um, the detail uh, is is the bits that we're interested in. Um, and then there's the separate issue is have uh, Reynolds and McElhenney managed to have a successful uh, financial outcome uh, of this investment? We don't know because you know, un- under American privacy laws, it's that they'll, have a, they'll be a private company and you, you, you can't find out the details. But... Uh, I think the the program appeared to it, it generated. You know, if, if you go onto Rotten Tomatoes, if you go onto IMDb, it, it generated a positive response. It was a very well produced show because it wasn't about football. It was football was the the hook upon which the personalities hang. And I think what they did very well was was focus on personalities, making it a um, a making it a reality show yeah featuring a football club and featuring personalities uh yeah so having some like hollywood that. a-listers was was great you know because they 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 were self-deprecating they were very warm um and yeah, they're actors yeah they, they're quite good at doing things like that and, and i'm not being critical because i i thought it was a great show yeah i mean it's 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 almost like the reality version of ted lasso without you know where instead of the coach being a yokel who doesn't know anything. It's the owner's being. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I find it fascinating. Uh, I'm now interested in their performances, whereas exactly. up until then I wasn't. And that, yeah. you know, I think that adds up after a while because there's a lot of me's around here who are watching Wrexham. Yeah. Um, next year when they're in League Two, the Wrexham South Sutton United games are going to be a little tough for me because, you know, because because I'm Sutton till I die. Good man. But, um, <laughs> Which is going to be soon, apparently. But 
Um, but yeah, it's 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 a fascinating thing to me. So um, Danny, the GFP, who I will be podcasting with in about nine minutes, uh, says, can we accidentally break Pepe and get our 72 million back? I When I first read this, I did not realize it was in the tone of the question I asked you before about uh, about the Cardiff <laughs> transfer. Yeah. So I, I think I'll just leave that there. Mm-hmm. But the, the the sentiment is pretty uh, is pretty clear. We we want our 72 million back. Um, and I'll get his other dumb question out of the way while we're there. What is Kevin's favorite number? You must have one, one that makes you smile. Uh, his is 10, which is also my mother's favorite number. So do you have a favorite number since you deal in numbers all day long? Uh, m- mine is the number 17 because that's the shirt worn by Glenn Murray. Um, and I had the, who's, who's a Brighton player who, who, uh, has scored uh, at, at, at all levels for Brighton. Um, but I, I actually played in a charity match at the Amex um, and I, I, I ended up wearing the number 17 shirt, which was the shirt of my favourite player. So that's number 17 is my favourite number. Beautiful. And 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 who wears the 17 now for, uh, for Brighton? I, 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 just, I don't know. I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking, I'm trying to find it. It's uh, uh, Maybe there isn't one. And maybe, maybe they've retired the number. No, 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 no. In we, your, we, we in your honor. Um, okay, so number 17. Mine's 12, but nobody else. Um, Mark Bacreden asks, has Kieran found any suspicious errors with Man City's accounts? He forgot the, the implied ending of this, which is please. <laughs> um, errors? Er- yeah, I was I was like, errors is, yeah, is yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't use that word i think what's interesting about manchester city's accounts is that uh, manchester city for for two seasons now have have generated more money than than manchester united now speaking as somebody that that's lived in manchester for 40 years and, and I've, I've got a lot of affection for for manchester city because when, when my kids were young you know 500 mile round trips to watch Brighton when you're a, a, a new father is is a no no. So well, I used to go and watch. There's your Craig Bellamy explanation right there. <laughs> um, so uh, I used to go and watch Manchester City, and they they were lovably crap, um, and I didn't have an emotional investment when I began watching them. But as I, I, I sort of you know I used to go and meet my friends in the pub. They're all big City fans, and yeah, I used to go and enjoy. So I've I've always quite liked Manchester City. Um, but they're not Manchester United, yeah. And I, I, I don't like Manchester United at all uh, because um, they they beat Brighton in the nineteen eighty three FA Cup final replay, um, and uh, you know, and, and as football fans, bitterness is is what we do. Uh, it might we, be almost forty years later, but it's it's it still still irritates me. We make a habit of beating Chelsea in the FA Cup final, so that's the one. You know, again, I, when I, when I try to recruit Arsenal to be your second club, uh, <laughs> which I know better than to do, you know, it's, at least we're being mean to Chelsea. So um, I think what's unusual about Manchester City is that if you take a look at their match day revenue, their match day revenue is around about half of that of Manchester United and half of that of Voldemort FC as well. Um, and, and that's because Manchester City sort of has a, what you might call a, a hardcore working class fan base and they don't charge huge amounts for tickets. And, and that, that's actually to be applauded uh, yeah. in, in, in some ways. Um, but then you take a look at their uh, revenue from commercial interests. And I think that's the area which 
cause his eyebrows to be raised. And yeah, they've got the deal with the Etihad, and, and that actually does seem at a fair price. And they've got a deal with uh, Nissan and many other blue chip companies, and and they and they they generate more commercial income than Manchester United or Liverpool or Chelsea. Um, and I, yeah, you know, much as I like City, they they don't have the same global appeal as as those brands. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and and I guess the the suspicion comes from the the quantity and the size of some of the smaller, quote unquote, smaller deals that they have with related parties, uh, where you look in the you know you look in the in the details and you see the the brother and the cousin and the and the and the sister-in-law on the board of directors of almost every company that they have a sponsorship deal with. And if, if uh, Der Spiegel is to be believed, uh, regardless of how they came upon the information, which is a whole nother show, um, a lot of that money wasn't even coming from those uh, sources. It was coming through them via, or it was coming from the ownership via those sources. And, and basically being washed through the the their their sponsors so you know to circumvent the ffp rules that went into place about three years into their ownership where they weren't just able to throw money after you know after players they had to do it by increasing their commercial revenues and i think the fact that they got off with a slap on the wrist to me tells me how much uefa was able to be bribed that more than it tells me that they didn't do anything wrong i mean is there mm -hmm. Is there any potential backs backflow? Uh, is there any potential backlash for anything that they've done, or have they pretty much beat the rap and gotten away with it? If you okay. think that they've gotten away with anything at all, um, I don't know what the libel laws are like in the US. They're they're not as strong there. So so if you want me to just leave but, it there, no no no. But I do know what they're like in the UK. Yes. So therefore, I will say the following: okay. um, UEFA. Uh, did initially give Manchester City a two-year ban, which Manchester City appealed. And upon appeal, they were uh, they, they overturned the ban on a majority of two to one. So it was not a unanimous decision. Manchester City have always denied that they have uh, commercial deals, which are um, th through related parties. Um, there is no evidence that UEFA have taken any bribes. Um, in addition to this, Manchester City did publish its accounts in October. And what we saw in the small print of Manchester City's accounts for the first time is something which has been whispered for, for quite a few years, um, is an acknowledgement that the Premier League are investigating the club. Now, the Premier League have never said anything. Manchester City have never said anything with the exception of what we've now seen in the accounts uh, this year. Um, Manchester City uh, will uh, be taking legal advice from some of the uh, most senior uh, legal firms in, in the country. And I'm sure that the Premier League has also had counsel. Um, what will happen as a result of that investigation by the Premier League, we, we can only wait so I'm, I'm not saying, I'm certainly not saying that UEFA is corrupt. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not saying the Premier League is corrupt because there's no evidence to back that up. Um, it's, you know, I think you can say that, uh, you, you can say that FIFA is institutionally corrupt, 
uh, given what's happened in, in respect of the number of people that have been subject to legal redress. And, and I'll say no more than that. Good. Well, I mean, and the other thing that should make you feel better, uh, considering the libel laws, is that no one watches this. So we're, <laughs> right. we're, we're basically doesn't matter. Doesn't we're matter. You only, we're you, basically you, just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation right now. Uh, <laughs> all of the, all of the people whose comments and questions I've put up, they're just the burner accounts that I have. So um, so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just I'll keep it I'll keep it nice and quiet. Um, we're just about out of time. I, I want to make sure that you have a moment to talk about gamble with lives. Uh, I see that you are selling a or not selling but promoting a uh, kind of a, a, a charity fundraising with uh, with the price of football FC T-shirt. Yes, we, we were approached by a uh, a shirt manufacturer to say, uh, you know, I, I like football shirts. So, and, and I'm also colorblind. Um, so they said, yeah, would, would you like a, a, a football shirt? I said, well, yeah, I can, but don't, don't ask me to choose the colors because I'm colorblind. Um, so, so we came up with a, a, a football shirt idea. And uh, because Kevin and Kevin, uh, Kevin Day is a, is a comedian, is a comedy writer, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's my hero, he's Kevin. Um, we, we came and up you, with this. And you, his. No, 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 no. He's, he's, you know, he gives me loads and loads of showbiz stories, which I can never repeat. Um, <laughs> he, he's, uh, he's, he's very patient with me as well because he is, he is a professional, and I'm, I'm a teacher who somehow is, is sort of mugging my way through lots of appearances on social media. Um, so, we, so we came up with this shirt design. It's there's a little, there's a little touch of Santos in it. Uh, well, sorry, uh, sorry, uh, uh, New York Cosmos in it. Um, and uh, we, on, on the price of football, although we, both Kevin and I gamble, um, but we, we've never had any gambling issues. And we, we were approached uh, a couple of years ago by, by somebody who had lost everything to gambling. And we struck up a relationship and he came on the show. And subsequent to that, I start to get a little bit more involved. I went to uh, the UK Parliament last year. I, I do talk about the money which is made by the gambling industry. And I've, I've got no issue with the gambling industry making money. Um, but I do have a lot of issues with regards to its its practices um, and the way that it targets the vulnerable. Um, so we decided to give all of the profits to a charity called Gambling With Lives. And um, I, I wish Gambling With Lives didn't exist because it's a charity which deals with the bereaved of gamblers who have taken their lives through the despair and the emptiness and, and the self-loathing that, that when you've got a gambling addiction and you don't know what to do next, the only solution is the solution which is, is beyond contemplation. Um, and speaking and feeling absolutely crap having spoken you know and listened to these people and their stories and the people that they love we, we we're giving all of the profits from the sale of the shirt to uh to gambling with lives so if if you'd like it hey it's it, we think it's a great shirt it's white it's got a green and yellow bands around it's got a little how do, bit how, of, do, you know, how do you know what color it has well I, my wife tells me and, it's, and, we, it's, and we have we, we i had to put up mark's uh uh Mark's question, which says, if you're colorblind, how do you feel about having a Newcastle United shirt on your wall? <laughs> or a picture of I, I know I know that I know that that's yellow. Okay. So it's it's the colors sort of based on the on the front cover of the book. Um 
No, it's a great shirt. You can you can follow Kieran at uh, at Kieran McGuire on Twitter, uh, and I believe within the past day or two, you have tweeted out a picture of yourself holding the jersey. That's right. Uh, yeah, and um, and and of course the uh, the charity is at Gamble with Lives. Um, Kevin is or Kevin Kieran. I'm sorry, is the host of the. Jeez, my I have too many devices. Too many devices. Um, Price of Football podcast with Kev, with uh, with Kieran and Kevin. That's where I was thinking of the Kevin. Um, is uh, you've just put one in the can uh, right before the show, uh, the, a podcast that is. Um, what will we be hearing about this week if we tune in? And, it's, and when uh, will I was about to say it's readers' wives, but it's actually you know it's, it's listeners' questions, which I always get the two things mixed up, which which can be very very awkward, as you can <laughs> imagine. Um, so we're we're looking at things such as uh, the pretendants. You know, when when a club announces the attendance uh, at a match, and um, they're not telling you the truth, they're telling the you the number of tickets. The, the pretendants is what I or, uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to copyright that name. Um, it's the number of tickets sold rather than the number of people who turn up. And why do they do that? Um, and, and we're looking at sort of bits and pieces. So we 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 have two or three shows a week. One of which is a uh, a business, a football business uh, roundup, um, and the other is uh, listeners' questions. And we've got six hundred unanswered listeners' questions. So I need to. So catch you do up. them all this week. You did them all in thirty-five <laughs> minutes. That's that, that's fantastic. Um, combines football knowledge, financial wizardry, and uh, speed reading. It's it's incredible. <laughs> yes. Well, it's an entertaining podcast. I encourage anybody. It. it and it's not dry, not like my Magic Mike shows you the finances videos. This is actually entertaining, and uh, and, and you should watch it. Uh, Kieran, I hope you'll join us again, uh, probably in March when the when the uh, when the official numbers come out. And I'd love to, Mike. Yeah, and we can we can talk again. And and again, thank you so much for joining us. If you are interested in in more in in a very different hour of uh, complete blather and nonsense, please tune into a Burke Camp Wonderland with Danny. And myself for the Sunday roast, and uh, and, and that's about it. I'll, I'll just I'll leave you with one final user question. We call them, um, and and it was the best one of them all, which was from Daniel Shaw. Why can't it just be straightforward? <laughs> because then you wouldn't have people like Kieran and Kieran and okay. This, this this is this is the answer. Accounting and finance is simple. Accountants make it difficult in order to make a lot of money out of people. Absolutely. That's uh, that's exactly right. So uh, so thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Kieran. Appreciate it. See you next time. And this has been The Gunners Pod. Watching The 